Warning. This episode contains adult language and content. They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pitch your stories head to head and find out which one lands. All three sham writers haven't read a lot. So your sham host will find a famous plot. From books and films and TV shows, they'll make a pitch. Then off you go to write what you don't know. Sham Fiction, the show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Eric Carlson. Oh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the, uh, welcome to the Sham Fiction. Uh, it is uh, me, your host, an Eric Carlson, son, son. Who is this person? Who are you? I'm already excited for a uh, culturally diverse and sensitive episode of Sham Fiction. Are you quiet, you? <laughs> um, that's my Swedish impression. Uh, it's a very accurate Swedish accent. Wait a second. That, that was how you do Scottish impressions last time. <laughs> that's exactly why. Thank you very much for that. We're just doing a tour of Northern Europe on this month's Sham fiction. That's right. Hey guys, it's me, Eric. Joining me today, you've already heard their voices, are <laughs> my two fellow writers and fellow sham hosts, uh, Marcus Mann. Say hi. Uh, hi, everybody. That was good. And Andrew Neal. Top of the morning to ya. <laughs> Accurate. Moving on. So, this week, we're talking about a film that, uh... I was surprised at, because uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it, it, I didn't expect it to be good, and it's really good. It's called The Ritual. It's a horror film. It's on Ooh. the Netflix. It came out last year. Horror. And uh, and it's 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 really interesting. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff. And guess what? I, I'm I'm spoiling things. Ooh, it's set in, spoil it's set in Sweden. Set in Sweden. Thus. Oh. All the very accurate Swedish accents you just heard. Ah, uh, guys, are you fans of horror films? Not Do you like at to all. get scared? Not at all. Why? <laughs> tell me. Tell me why. Explain to me why. Oh, I I can like a good horror film. I don't like all the buckets of blood and viscera and what? You know, just just like torture and and such. Just the, uh, this, the misery porn is not for me. This is not film for you that no actually it's it's very it's 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 not like that at all it's it's i because i would agree with you that like i don't like like saw movies you know that's kind of like my first saw was okay but that whole premise where it's like we're gonna trap somebody and we're gonna just watch as they slowly get all their limbs torn off you know yeah and they're just in pain and screaming for an hour and a half not my favorite not my Andrew, favorite Andrew, say what? something about horror movies. Anything I like horror movies. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm I, with you that, uh, you know, I don't watch... Horror is one of those genres that its fans are just so passionate about. Oh, yeah. About it. And they gobble, gobble it all up. Um, I, I wouldn't count myself amongst those, but I, I think I like it a little bit more than what you guys are saying. I put myself out there for some pretty spooky stuff. Sure. 
Well, and I was surprised by this because um, for through most of my life, I wasn't watching a lot of horror because it just wasn't my cup of tea. And then uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I I met my wife, Catherine. Your wife. And <laughs> my wife. I can and say that now. You can. Um, and it's a recent thing. Congratulate me, guys. Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah, congratulations. Hey, congratulations! Was yeah. that the Be first time you got to Borat your wife? Uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, what? The, that was the wife. first time that I've done that. I, I'm very pleased. <laughs> was that the first time you did that as a married man, Eric? Uh, yeah. I'm yeah, glad I we guess so. That. I was very confused because you're asking me the, about the first time I got to Borat my wife, and I was not <laughs> interpreting that what question. Does that mean? The correct. I don't know. There's I'm only one interpretation of that. <laughs> anyway, uh, she is a huge fan of horror films, and any horror film that shows up on Netflix, she will watch. And if I happen to oh be boy. in the same room as her, I will watch it too. And guess what? Most of them are garbage. <laughs> yep. Uh, but this one, I fell in love with. It was amazing. It was just like a solid solidly written film the characters were good it didn't fall into i think a lot of the silly tropes that a lot of horror movies uh you know tend to utilize it just it just worked for me i love the setting and the cinematography and the dialogue and everything it was all aces for me and so i knew that i wanted to talk about it on the show and here we are wonderful that's great there are some horror films i enjoy i i even love you know I think uh, Get Out was incredible. Oh yeah, uh, I, I love Alien, of course. One of the one of the great horror films. Oh man! Hey 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 hey! The horror genre has some serious classics. Um, I don't want to diss horror in general, but it is it's one of those genres that for me there is a high bar to get me to even see it. Yep. So, and it's not to say that you know it's all bad. It's just it is not my go-to, even though there are some serious classics. And uh, you know what? I consider this, you know, some people might be mad at me. It's the ritual. Really? The ritual? You're calling the ritual a classic? Really? You know what? You know what, listeners? I am. That's what I'm saying. I'm calling it a classic. Calling it right now. Well, we'll see if uh, if your opinion gets it in the canon. Uh, I'm not sure if that <laughs> means anything much, but I'm really glad you liked it. <laughs> I just liked it. Let's just talk about it. Let's you get the pitch. Let's get into the pitch. Let's put a nope. little timer up, and then I'll tell you all about it. And then you know you can write it. And that's how the okay. show works. Let's go. Okay. But before, but before we get into that, uh, I just want to tell you a couple little stats. Uh, the Ritual is, the, the screenplay is written by Joe Barton, is based on a novel by Adam Neville. It is directed by David Bruckner. As I mentioned, it came out on Netflix in 2017. It is a Netflix original film. Ooh. Oh, that Netflix. Yep, they're doing good work, I tell you. Those ya. kids over there, mm-hmm. they're up and comers. Anyway... Hey, who who are these people? What? Have they made anything else? This Bruckner guy. Uh, Bruckner. Do you have he's that in front of made, you? Yeah, he's made a, a few things. Um, the only ones that I know 
like that I had heard of are segments in like collections. Like he huh. did, uh, he did one of the um, shorts in VHS. Oh, which one did he do? Do you remember? Amateur Night. Oh, okay. And he's made a couple other ones. In 2016, he made something. Um, he he made uh, a segment in a film called Southbound. Yes, that's a good um, one. And then he made, in, also in 2016, uh, a film called Siren, which mm. is based on Amateur Night from VHS. Yep. So right. uh, then, there then, we then go. this movie. So there you go. Yeah, I gotcha. No, good. Yeah. Pimp out this guy's work. It's, uh, he's, he's like a guy. Um, I, the writer, though, I actually, uh, I should look that up because I don't know what else this guy has written. That was just, you know, we're all obsessed with directors over here. Yes, indeed. I got nothing. So let's move on. That's okay. You don't have to. I I am, I am, uh, you know, I I was, I asked about the director. That's all I cared about. Writers, who needs them? All right, here we go. (laughs) Pitch time. Here we go. Pitch session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Let's jam. The Ritual. Horror film. Entirely set in, uh, in around the uh, Kungsleden. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Say that again. The Kung, the Kungsleden. Uh, well, that was good. You got translated it Translated to the King's Trail ah. in uh, Sarek National Park in northern Sweden. So it's very rugged, very foresty. It's misty. It's mysterious. It's very far north, so it gets dark early. You know, you don't have a lot of daylight. It's just... Like Seattle. It is, uh, but, you know, a lot scarier. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's all set in, in northern Sweden, way in the wilderness, far away from anywhere, no cell towers, you know, very convenient for a horror movie not to be able to use your cell phone. Nailed um, it. it is, the story surrounds four English friends. So that's friends from England. Oh, okay, good. British accents. Yep. Check. They're uh, all old pals from uni. Oh, they, yep, uh, they That's decide what they call to it. head. They decide to head to the Swedish wilderness on a hiking holiday uh, to honor their dearly departed friend Rob, who died six months earlier on a night Ooh. where they all got together. Yeah, pretty bad. Man. Uh, so our four friends who are left, they're na- they're named Luke, Dom, Hutch, and Phil. And the dead friend's name is Rob. Oh, poor Rob. Eric, uh, Eric, yes? would you, would you, would an alternate title for this film be The Big Chilling? You guys don't get it, do you? I'm just, just crickets. There are listeners in the audience that are laughing their asses off Luke, right Dom, now. Luke, Hutch, and Phil? Our baby boomer listeners, that one was for you. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Neal counted amongst them, I guess. You know, uh, I feel so lost now. I'm, I just don't know where to pick this up. Anyway, so six months ago, these guys were all hanging out. They're all drinking. They were trying to figure out what to do. Like they wanted to go on vacation together. They were like, hey, do we go to Vegas? Do we go here? Do we go there? Uh, but uh, uh, in the course of this night, Luke, who's kind of our main guy, uh, our main character that we're following in this film, decides he wants to go into a bottle shop, pick up a bottle of liquor. Rob goes in with him. And oh no, the liquor store is being held up. And Rob gets killed. Uh-oh. 
uh, in this liquor store during in an altercation while Luke is hiding behind a, a, a you know bottles like a coward didn't do anything oh, man and he is racked by guilt because of this because their good friend Rob is dead and he did nothing to stop it damn Dang. So that's, that's Luke that's Luke um, Dom is I would describe him as the uh, the complainy one. <laughs> he, uh, he gets injured really early on. He's just kind of always whining about stuff, doesn't want to be there, and very blatantly blames Luke for Rob's death. Ooh. And the only reason these guys decide to go to Sweden, of all places, is because that's the place that Rob wanted to go. So they decide okay. to go there to you know pay their respects and honor yeah. his... Yeah, exactly. Um, and like really early on, like the first morning that they're out there, you know, they get out of their tents and they build a little cairn for Rob, you know, put pictures and some small mm. mementos and leave it there on the hillside. Uh, but our other two, uh, companions are Hutch. Hutch is kind of your level headed one. He's, uh, he seems to be the most competent outdoorsman in the group. Okay. Uh, you may, you may recognize him when you see him as the guy who played Thomas. Four down minutes Nabby. remaining. Four minutes. Wait a second, uh, Thomas? Yep, Thomas creepy is Creepy Thomas? This. Yeah, Creepy Thomas, but he's great. Uh, great. And then lastly, there's a guy named Phil. I don't know, he's there. Um, moving on. <laughs> so after they build this cairn, they're hiking. You know, they have this three-day trek through the wilderness. You know, they're on, like, the second day, like, early in the second day. And, like, Dom twists his knee and and just screws up the whole thing because now they're, like, an awkward distance away um, like, oh, do we continue the trail? Or do we head back because our friend is injured? But, oh, wait, guys, there's, like, I'm looking at a map. If we just cut straight through the woods, we'll just, we'll, we'll shave, in, like, an entire day off this trip. We'll be, we'll be at the lodge in no time. Great, let's do that. Famous last words. Exactly. Oh, boy. Is that a bad idea? They <laughs> they start discovering weird stuff in the woods. They find like a dead elk that's been all gutted and strung up really high in a tree. Like what could have done that? That's really creepy. Let's keep moving. Oh man, Whoa. it's still bleeding. Wow, that means it's fresh. We should move. Um, it starts raining <laughs> out. And so now it's raining and these guys are miserable and this one guy is hurt and everything. But they come across this, uh, the, this strange... Uh, abandoned hunting shack sort of cabin thing out there so they take shelter in there it's totally empty um, but they start hearing these strange bestial noises out in the dark outside I'm like ooh, that's unsettling so anyway they settle in they, there's all sorts of weird stuff in this cabin like there are these like necklaces with like what looks like norse runes in them mm -hmm. uh, outside of the cabin on a tree is carved these norse runes they're like what is that about that's really spooky and then <laughs> worst of all up in the attic in this cabin they find this um terrifying like headless remaining um already this like headless <laughs> straw man with like antlers for hands and what looks like like mummified human hands for feet. It's Ooh. the creepiest, most awful thing. Um, so they have a really uneasy night. Um, everybody <laughs> everybody has nightmares where you can't they can't tell the difference between waking and dreaming. And like Luke has a nightmare where he thinks he's back in the liquor store and like sees his friend get murdered again. He wakes up to find he has these puncture wounds in his chest, like something attacked him. He wakes up outside. 
Um, Dom wakes up screaming his wife Gail's name, claims to have seen her there in the woods. Phil is upstairs found naked in the attic, like praying to this straw man thing. Uh, Phil, what's up with that guy? Yeah, he's just there, I guess. Uh, anyway, they all decide that, that was a pretty freaky night, and they should One just move along. One minute remaining. So, so they they move on. They're like, let's not talk about this. They go until they find like another structure, like another shack with like these unlit torches leading the way up to the shack. And they're like, nope. And they move right along. Um, and all the while, they're slowed down with this guy with the twisted leg. Luke goes up to the top of a ridge to see if he can see any paths or whatever, and and he gets turned around, and then he sees something he sees something big with like a human like hand up there and he gets freaked out runs away they boogie and they discover the remnants of an old tent that had been abandoned in like 1984 it gets dark they pitch their own tents luke hears noises in the night and long story short hutch goes missing oops like some like his tent gets torn out of the ground and he's gone they don't know where he is, but they hear his screams in the distance and the bellow of a gigantic beast. Time's up. Mm, what a dramatic finish. Mm, that's all you get. I gotta that was say, good. this is my kind of horror film. This is? This is? Oh, yeah. This is your kind of horror Su- film. Supernatural good. horror? That's where it's at. Because it's just sci-fi fantasy, right? Yeah. You know, it's it is. Just like it's just you lean into the dark. sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. Exactly. So, there you go. Um, you will have some time to ask some clarifying questions. Maybe get a little more about these characters. Get a little more about this place. I don't know. It, the time is yours. I will give each of you two minutes to ask ask me whatever questions you like. And I'm going to start with Andrew. Oh, okay. Mr. Neil, yep. you get to uh, ask me the first set of questions. And okay. Marcus, I will ask that you, uh, I don't know. Go pitch a tent somewhere, you know what I mean? Get lost. <laughs> uh, Please sure. come back. Sure. <laughs> uh, sure, sure, I'll do that. I can do all those things. Pitching, <laughs> right. pitching a tent over here. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. All right. You are excited about this story. You know, it's a good story, Eric. All right, yeah. I'll leave you, and I'll give you a two-minute timer. All right, start the timer. Two-minute Q&A, begin. All right, so what time of year is this? Is it cold outside? Ooh, I mean, I feel like it's either spring or fall. It's it's not snowy or anything. Okay. But it's still, like, you know, cold-ish. They're not Cold-ish. out in t-shirts. Okay, okay. They're, they're, they're wearing their rain gear most of the time. Yeah, I wanted to get kind of the... The envi- more of a vibe of the environment. If like, yeah, it's lush and green. It's probably summer. It's just real far north Sweden, so it seems kind of dark and coldish all the time. So, do any of them have any connection to Sweden at all, or is it strictly that this was something that their dead friend wanted to do? No connection at all. Okay. Do they meet any like? Swedish people at, you know, like a nearby gas station that maybe tell them not to go in them woods. No, none of that. They are out in the woods the entire time. Okay. Though okay. though we do see the scene in the beginning when Rob dies. But after that, it's all in the woods. They're out there. They're in it. Okay. And have these guys been friends? So you said they've been friends since uni. 
Have uh-huh. they kept in touch, or has Rob's death got them all back together for they the first time to get in a together, long time? They seem to get together quite a bit. Like, every once in a while, they get together for drinks or whatever. Okay, so they, they do keep in pretty close touch, it sounds like. 30 yeah. seconds remaining. It's not like, they, it, 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 it's not like they haven't seen each other in years, and they're... they're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and okay. they're about like uh, we can say like ten to fifteen, probably like fifteen years out of college. Did they like Rob? Was Rob a good guy or was Rob a dick? They loved him. He's great. They all loved him. What's up with Phil? I don't know. He's just kind of there. He's just there. He's just kind of there. I don't know. He woke up naked and like covered in his own excrement, praying to a straw Time's god. That's up. weird. Yeah, that's super weird. Oh man, out of time. But yeah, that's that's really weird. But that's like, just weird. That's just you weird. just you're just like yeah, Phil's there, and I'm like, I'm like Phil, what are you doing there, man? I mean, I mean, you need you need your bros. You need your bros with you when you go out in the woods. Yeah, and then and you Phil, say, and then you Phil's say that, a bro. Yeah, I guess. He's and totally then you say a bro. Hutch is the one that goes missing. And I'm like, but he's the he's the the guy. Who's like he knows about the forest? They need him. Yeah, you got it. You got this all figured out. You it, you clearly don't need anything else from me. So why don't you get out of here? Okay. Start start clickety clacketing. I'm gonna go pitch those, that, my that, own that, tent. It's gonna be you, better than Marcus's. <laughs> way bigger and definitely warmer. And and I'll see you in a few minutes with a much better story than his will ever be. Bye. Uh, uh, penis jokes. Lots of penis jokes. Marcus, welcome back. I hey, see thanks. I see I was you've just returned in my small from the woods. cold tent that was so yeah. unsatisfying. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> are you uh are you ready to ask some questions? I'm, I'm ready to ask some questions. Well then fantastic. We should probably start that timer. Let's start it up. Two minute QA begin. Alright, do we ever see what the monster is? Oh, yeah. Are there multiple monsters, or is it one monster? One monster. Does it draw on local Swedish mythology? Possibly. Ooh, cool. I might have to look into some local Swedish mythology. Yeah, not uh, a bad idea. This this film is called The Ritual. Are there cultists that we run into? Maybe. <laughs> Man, you're figuring this out, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, 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 can he describe some of the nightmares? Um, so what happens multiple times in the movie, specifically with Luke, because he's the one we're mostly following, is that he, like, something will happen. He'll, like, look out into the woods, and suddenly part of the woods is the liquor store. So it's not like he's just there in the liquor store. It's like the liquor store and the forest are, like, one. Mm. So we get these sort of, these combined, like, delusional sort of things where he's out and interacting in the world, but he is seeing these things that aren't there. Interesting. And, and interacting with these characters that aren't there. And this monster, whatever it is, is behind all of it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, perhaps the monster is just there and he doesn't know it. Who knows? Who's to say? Whew. Whew. Uh, do we see anything else that's supernatural other than this monster? Remaining. Other than the monster that's supernatural, uh, no. Okay, okay. Uh, who do they go to for help when oh. they find out about this? Um, who do they go to for help? There's no one to go to. They're in the woods. No satellite phones or anything? No, nothing. They're just, I mean, 
they're just stuck there. They're supposed to get to this lodge in like three days. That's their only point of reference. Time's up. Ooh. All right. I, I, yep, yep. So that's it. That's it. I've said enough. That's fair. All right. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to go study up my Swedish folklore. I'm really excited to hear both of your versions, especially since you asked some really good questions and I think you're going the right direction. So I think uh, my prediction here is that Marcus's might be a little more accurate. But uh, I'm equally excited to hear Andrew's. So go right. When we get back, we'll, we'll hear some lovely stories from my two favorite writers. Hello, true believers and loyal listeners. It is I, Eric, the host for this show. I just wanted to take a minute to ask you to do one thing for me, and that is head over to iTunes, find Sham Fiction. That's the show that you're listening to right now. Heck, you're probably already listening to this show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Just head over there, give us a little rating, a little five-star action would be great. And uh, even better, if you could write us a little review that says uh, something along the lines of, oh, Sham Fiction, it's a great podcast. I really like the hosts of it, especially that one guy, the one with the beard, uh, who sometimes sounds like a gravel person. That guy's my favorite. Ah, uh, 10 out of 10. Would Sham Fiction again. Uh, highly recommended. Everybody listen to it. Tell your friends, etc., etc. And that's all there is to it. Anyway, thanks everybody. Let's get back to the show. Did you hear that? What was that? so scared right now. <sighs> guys! Guys! Are you there? Yeah. Guys! I'm right here. Andrew, Andrew. Oh, God! Thank God, Andrew! Andrew, you're okay. You're okay. I'm oh, fine. Uh, but it's so dark. I can barely see you. I can't even see the hand in front of my... Oh, wait. I turned the light on. We're good. We're good. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I was I was freaking out a little bit. I guess. <sighs> what I miss? Oh, Marcus <laughs> is here, too. Good. Oh, was I the only one scared? I was foraging for berries. Wow. Okay. I apologize, listeners. That was a lot of heavy breathing. You were not warned. I don't know <gasps> if our listeners knew this, but you are deathly afraid of the dark. I really don't like the dark. Is he and, Canadian? And you know what? When it gets dark in the woods, it gets really dark. Yeah, it's like there's no lights in the woods other than the moonlight. It gets really dark. So, guys, I, I imagine that you are all here because uh, you're going to read some stories. Is that is that right? There are going to be some spooky stories, Eric. Sp- I'm, I'm sorry to say. Spooky stories to tell in the dark. There will be a lot of heavy breathing this episode. Here, I, got, I, got, I got my flint here. Yeah? You going to light a fire? Look at that. Wow. You are an outdoorsman. I'm, I'm, lighting, I'm, I'm lighting the fire so we can tell some campfire tales. Ooh. Oh, there spooky. it goes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Blow on that thing. Oxygen. Yep, there there it go. is. Oh, wow. Just roared to life. I'm impressed. Very impressed, some, and I'm no longer some good afraid. Good fire, Not at all fully. <laughs> uh, so, guys, are you ready to share your versions of the ritual? I would love to, Eric. It'd be delightful. Yeah. Well, maybe that means that Marcus Mann will go first, since Ooh. he sounds so excited. Ooh. Perfect right. timing. The campfire is lit. <laughs> uh, remind me the the nationality of these characters, Eric. These are British gentlemen. Ah, uh, all right. 
<laughs> he says as if he didn't already know and was oh, ready for it. Boy, we'll see so. if I can make this story at all British uh, while I'm reading it. <laughs> oh no, I'm scared now. <laughs> this is gonna be a disaster. I thought you were scared before. You guys remember in season one when I did an amazing rendition of Downton Abbey? Oh, that's oh, yeah. right. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That was a thing that happened once. The, the doctor showed up at one point, I believe. Uh, the doctor did show up. The doctor doesn't show up in this story, but my uh, British accent has not improved. It has gotten possibly <laughs> worse. So, oh, so you're great. welcome. Uh, all right. Well, whenever you're ready, take it okay. away. <laughs> this is The Ritual by Marcus Mann. <laughs> Luke had skived off class in his final year of secondary school to meet Maggie Wallace at the British Museum. He reasoned that if they were found playing truant in a museum, no one could be too miffed because it was education all and all. He even managed to learn something before Maggie was finally able to join him. He read every plaque in the mythology and religion exhibit while he was wondering if Maggie was really going to show or if she was just taking the piss. When she got in, <laughs> thoughts of the world's pixies and trolls and centaurs and fawns had slipped away. They snogged for hours until they got chased off, but even as he lagged it, he knew he'd never truly leave that museum in that perfect moment. For years on, he still drifted back to Maggie's arms in the last minutes of each day. Then he went to the liquor store with Rob. The memory of that perfect stolen day was ripped away with his best friend's life. Try as he might, he could never leave that store. The impotence and fear as he hid to hear his friend get killed over a few quid in a register would be with him until he did what he should have done that night and joined Rob. When he woke up out of his tent on the Kungsleden... He knew that wasn't far off. He'd never been a sleepwalker before, and he didn't think that that's what this was. He could have sworn he was back in the store, reliving the night of his cowardice instead of just remembering it. But what was that voice he had heard? It was far off, but deep to rattle his bones. If only he could have made it out. Luke, you're right, tosser, get back here! (laughs) Dom. Damn. Luke got his bearings and ran back to the tent to find his friend bent over in exaggerated agony. You make a show of volunteering to stay with your wounded mate if he needs anything, then I wake up and you're not bloody well here. (laughs) Did you dream anything unusual last night? Yeah, I dreamt you weren't a total wanker. Now help me up. I've got to splash me boots. (laughs) As soon as Luke righted Dom, he made a show of pushing Luke away and limping off into the trees on his own. Just last night, Dom had been screaming Gail's name and swearing he'd seen her, while Phil was showing the full Monty in that old cabin, but today it was only Luke. He had to find Hutch, find out what was going on. Maybe he'd played a prank on them, like the time Hutch slipped Rob acid back in uni. Rob had been furious, of course, but Luke had never seen him laugh more. He could use a laugh now. Luke saw it just before he heard Dom shout. Hutch's tent was gone. Deep cuts of earth sliced through the spot where it had been the night before, like little fault lines. Hutch? Phil? Luke ran out to find Dom matching his call. Hutch! When he caught up to him, Dom added, Don't you dare leave me around with this lot! (laughs) Did you see anything? Do you have any clue what could have happened to them? Yeah, I did. I'm just doing my nut for fun, you unbelievable wanker! (laughs) Luke took a deep breath and pressed on. Hutch! Can you hear us? Jesus, mate, this isn't funny. The response didn't come from his friend. The voice that answered back was a deep roar, like an animal let loose in the base of Luke's skull. It shook the trees all around them. Bloody hell. 
The sound reminded Luke of his dream, and that voice within him. What had it said? Blood? And a name? Christian? There was no time. Come on, Dom! We've got to get moving! Give me your arm! Another roar echoed. Sure, there's just something I have to do first. Dom punched Luke square in the jaw, knocking him to the ground. The pain was incredible, even in the panic of the moment. The attack tipped Dom off his balance, causing him to hit the ground too when his bad leg went out. Luke rubbed his chin as he shouted at Dom. What the hell was that for? I figured I might not get another chance. It's your fault we're here. It's your fault Rob's dead. I wanted to make sure you felt a little pain first in case we're lucky enough to die quickly. (laughs) Fuck you. Feelings mutual. You have no idea what I went through that night. What it felt to be so fucking hopeless. Rob was my best friend and I froze. I have to live with that. Yeah, well, at least you do get to live with it. Or did until this thing catches up with us. Rob didn't have that choice. And it's not my fault we're here. This is where Rob wanted to go. We both know we could have convinced him to go to Vegas if he'd still been alive. (laughs) Remember that time Hutch made him do acid? Luke stared at Dom, and for the first time in this whole godforsaken trip, he saw his friend. Tears reached his eyes as he burst into laughter, and Dom joined him. I wish he was here too, Dom. You know that, right? If it could have been me and not him. Dom wiped the tears from his eyes and looked directly at Luke. I know. Luke laughed again to keep from crying. (laughs) Christ, he was such a pushover. A third roar bellowed through the trees, closer this time. It seemed to be accompanied by rhythmic thunder. Footsteps. I lied earlier, Luke. I did have a weird dream. I saw Gale again and I heard a voice. It, it said something strange. What was it? I hear, I see, I smell. I smell the blood of a Christian man. That's it? Hmm. How did you know? Because I heard the same thing. Now just stay here and think of Richard Dawkins. What are you on about, mate? We've got to run. No, Dom. I've got to run. Just me. Trust me. I'm not in the liquor store anymore. Luke ran off from his friend, ignoring his protest. Dom would forgive him when he lived. As he ran, Luke's mind drifted back to that perfect day in the museum with Maggie Wallace. God bless her. If she hadn't been late, he wouldn't have read about the King of the Trolls and his hatred of church bells and the smell of Christian blood. It had been years since Luke had had something to believe in, but here on the Kung's Laden, the King's Trail, with the beast roar fresh in his ear, he had no trouble praying for a friend. The end, innit? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crikey! (laughs) Wait a second. That was a story. It sure was. And there was only one perfect accent throughout... All the characters were distinct. <laughs> Flawless. Uh, Thank so you. a troll. We got a troll. Hmm. A troll? Hmm. You mean those little things with the, the high wispy hair that I have <laughs> adorning my bedroom shelves? With with jewels in the belly button? <laughs> yeah. I collect a lot. Your <laughs> sapphires, your emeralds. <laughs> you know? Yep. All of those uh, gems. I'm glad I, I painted a good word picture for you, Andrew. <laughs> I just imagined a big one of those thumping through the woods and roaring. <laughs> yep, you got it. <laughs> uh, I would watch that movie. 
Uh, so Andrew, lucky for you, you, there is a movie called Trolls. <laughs> it's a movie called Trolls. It perfectly <laughs> I matches about this. That. Same tone. Holy shit! Also a horror. Uh, so From what I've heard, let's uh, let's get a story number two going, Andrew. Oh man! After that, uh, I will say I am not gonna pull a Marcus and read this entire thing in a British accent. I know Aww. that deducts like uh, fifteen hundred points from my score. So disappointed up front, but I'm just I'm gonna risk it and see if I can make those up with the quality of the content. Cocky in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's All let's right. see how you do. All right, I wish you the best of luck. Oh, hey, thanks. All right, this is Andrew Neal's sham fiction of The Ritual. Luke's eyelids shrank back, allowing harsh light to invade his narrowed pupils. They grew gradually and gradually tighter, transforming amorphous shapes into a solid environment. Luke didn't remember falling asleep. The conditions in which he was last conscious didn't seem fit for sleep, other than the dark. He had been running. He'd heard screaming. It was calm now, and daytime. Light rain pattered on the vibrant green leaves around and above him, creating an assuring white noise. The verdant canopy lent a slight, sickly tint to the light passing through, filling the forest with an almost fluorescent quality. Luke peered around. He expected to see his mates, either still asleep or milling about. He didn't. He couldn't see much of anything for the trees and thick brush. With some effort, he climbed to his feet, wiping dead leaves and dirt off his jacket. For some reason, he had been asleep on the bare ground. There was no tent set up within view, and his pack, which he typically kept close, was nowhere nearby. His body began to fill with the shrinking feeling of isolation. Hello? He called, but there was no response. Hello? He called more loudly. Still no response. With the buzz of the rain, he figured his voice wasn't carrying. He started to walk. The going was labored for a spell. He seemed to have been sleeping in the eye of some frustratingly thick brush. He wondered how he'd found his way through it in the dark. From his memory, he had been panicked. If he had forced his way through this in a hurry, his jacket would have been torn to shreds, and yet it appeared unharmed but for some dirt and debris. With a sigh of relief, he stepped into a small clearing. He caught his breath and called out again. Hello? Dom? Phil? No response. He took a deep breath to ease the tightening grip of panic in his chest. Thankfully, he seemed to be facing a break from the rough going. The trees around the edge of the clearing funneled outward and toward an open pathway ahead. Luke started forward down the path, which narrowed before evening out. From there, it proceeded straight for as far as Luke could see. The ease of the course did not lift Luke's spirits. The path had been man-made, and anything man-made they'd encounter since leaving the main trail had not led to anything good. As he continued forward, the space between the trees on either side of the path grew more and more tight. Soon, Luke could only see the way ahead and the way from which he'd come. Then the trees gradually began to change. Luke started noticing blotches of a strange, bulbous fungus covering the trunks here and there. First, the blotches were a dull brown or gray in color, but as he continued forward, they grew more vibrant in color. Red, orange, yellow, blue. Eventually, the whole spectrum seemed to be represented. 
For amongst the overwhelming collection of color all around, something caught Luke's eye. He stopped walking, noticing that his heart was beating rapidly. He walked up to a tree to get a closer look at the fungus growing there. It was a pure red, interrupted by curling wrinkles of white. It was impossible, but the wrinkles were perfectly arranged to form letters, and more unlikely, those letters combined to form a very specific logo. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Beep. Goosebumps suddenly covered Luke's arms and legs. Had he really just heard that? It was a familiar sound, but not out here in the middle of a Swedish forest. Beep. There it was again. But it couldn't be, not out here. Luke slowed his breathing and listened carefully. He wanted to be certain of what he'd heard. He waited for what seemed like minutes, but nothing else came. He felt stupid. He was focusing so hard that even the patter of the rain had become unnerving. It had turned into a hum, like that of a refrigerator or air conditioning. Beep! Shit! Luke jumped when he heard it this time. He jerked his head to the path ahead to where the source of the sound seemed to be. Rows and rows of colors now lined the path, organized neatly. He noted other familiar words, pictures, logos. They all led forward, toward another clearing ahead. A man was standing there, facing away. Beep! Luke winced at the sound. The man didn't move, but Luke began to. He approached the man slowly. Leaves and branches cracked underneath his feet, but the man didn't react, though he should have been able to hear Luke coming up from behind. Hey! Luke called. The man didn't react. Hey! He called again. Nothing. Luke started to grow anxious. Something was wrong, but it wasn't the man. Luke didn't need to see the man's face. He knew him, and he knew that the man wasn't a danger to him. But the man was in danger. Beep! The sound reappeared, much louder now. Beep! And it was picking up pace. Luke was suddenly absolutely certain that the man needed to move. He needed to hide. Beep! Why was he just standing there? Luke ran forward, yelling, trying to get the man's attention. Hey! Beep! The man didn't react. Get down! Beep! No reaction. Hey! Beep! Nothing. Rob! Beep! The man's head began to turn. Pah! The man's head exploded. Luke threw up his arms to shield his face. Flecks of red blood sprinkled over him. He closed his eyes reflexively to shield them. When he reopened them, he felt his eyelids retreat as far back as they could go. The new sight before him forced his gaze upon it. At first, the viscera from Rob's head seemed frozen in time. It was suspended in the air above and around Rob's body, which remained standing. Luke took a moment to comprehend what he was seeing. Somehow, Rob's brains and blood had shot out like webbing. Luke's gaze followed the thick swaying strands from where Rob's head had been to where the webbing now stuck to nearby trees. Luke watched with stunned fascination as the trunks began to sweat, a honey-like sap in profuse quantities. Every ridge in the tree's bark ran with the stuff. Soon the sap thickened and turned red, following the ridges in the bark at first and then covering the tree's entire surfaces. The trees became columns of flowing blood. 
With a nauseating splat, something new shot out of the tree trunks. On either tree, it held to the point from which it appeared and hung limply. It was some kind of loose, fleshy substance. It pulsed and pulsed and began to swell. Sallow at first, it began to take on color, growing more flush as it took shape. It must have been filling with the blood from the tree. Luke didn't look away. He watched from beginning to end as limp hanging flesh transformed into two full-grown men. They were facing away from Luke, but he didn't need to see their faces to know who they were. Beep. No, he thought. Not again. Beep, beep. 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 It continued at an arrhythmic rate, growing in intensity. Again, Luke was sure the new robs were in danger. He thought to call out, but last time it just made things worse. He shot a quick glance at the first rob who was still standing despite lacking a head. Beep! Beep! Louder now. It was as if the sound were a pickaxe driving deeper and deeper into Luke's brain, which was filled with an anxious fear for the two new robs. They were naked, more vulnerable than the, two be than the one before. He had to do something to save them. He wanted to move, but he couldn't. What if his moving had caused this in the first place? The thought paralyzed him. He had to try something. He would use his voice. Rob, he said, but it came out near inaudibly next to the incessant beeping. He cleared his throat. Rob, he repeated. Beep, beep. Neither man reacted. Rob, please. Beep, beep. Still nothing. Rob, Luke exhaled, losing hope. Beep, beep. Both men started to turn, when, pa! Luke screamed as the heads of both men exploded simultaneously. He tried to close his eyes, but he couldn't. It was as if he had forgotten how. Thick streaks of red, bloody webbing shot out on either side of him, striking multiple nearby trees. There, the awful cycle began again, only faster now. Sap sweated out from the trees, transforming into blood. One by one, the trees spat out limp flesh, which filled with the blood. In what seemed like only seconds, Luke was surrounded by four more robs, all facing away. Beep, beep, beep. It continued incessantly, picking away at Luke's eardrums, punishing him for his lack of action. If he didn't do anything, again, these new men were going to die too. Luke glanced from one rob to the next. He hadn't been able to save even one so far. How was he going to save all four? If he could save one, which one would he save? Beep, beep, beep. It shrieked directly into his ear canal. Luke wanted to cover his ears to muffle the sound, but he couldn't. His arms wouldn't move. His voice was all he had. Rob, he uttered. The Rob started to turn. One by one, four heads erupted, shooting red tendrils in every direction. Luke started to cry. The cycle was starting again, and he just wanted out. He hadn't saved any of them. He couldn't save any of them. Now he just wanted to get away, but he couldn't move. Why couldn't he move? He looked down. Red webbing had consumed his body up to his neck, and it was climbing, crawling, little by little, further and further. He screamed and writhed, trying to break free. The webbing squeezed him tighter in response, pushing the breath out of his lungs before covering his mouth. Moments later, 
It was up his nose, spreading to his cheeks and over his eyes. Then it all went dark. The beeping stopped. When Luke next opened his eyes, he saw the moon through the dark leaves and crooked branches above him. A cool breeze brushed his tear-streaked cheeks. He shivered and sighed, sitting up. Dom and Phil were on the ground nearby, breathing irregularly. They had built no fire. Hutch was still missing. Luke was struck by a certainty that he needed to wake his friends up. They needed to go. Now. As he went to rise, a familiar sound called out from afar, freezing him in place. A chill spread from his fingers to his toes. It wasn't the beeping. It was worse. The deep, reverberating roar of something. The end. Whoa. <sighs> I'm so scared. Turn the lights back on. Turn the lights back on. I, I can't. I can't move. One second. The fire went out. Let me. Let me restart it. Oh. Oh. Good. Oh. Thank you. You're welcome. Ah. Uh, wow. That's a pretty bad fire to only last ten minutes. Yeah. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a beginner. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't a scout. I didn't learn how to take care of myself in the woods. I am impressed by your podcasting uh, recording setup out in the woods, though. That's that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, I brought a generator. I'm surprised that we can't hear that pumping away in the background. I put it far <laughs> enough away, I suppose. <laughs> good job. Uh, so, guys, those were stories. We heard them both. Good we job. Good job, gang. Uh, so, I uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, some details with these. Uh, stories. So one at a time, I just like to hear some background, how the process was. So we'll give Andrew a little break. Uh, Marcus, how was writing your version of the ritual? It was interesting. I uh, knew there'd be some sort of creature, so I did some research there. And trolls were a big thing in Sweden. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, there's some connection to the Kungsleden, the King's Trail. Sure. So I went down that rabbit hole a little bit. And... uh, Thought I'd just just go for it, just do a full-on troll story. It was the thing that made sense that would be a very large thing that would eat people. Yeah. And a ritual implied to me a non-Christian thing, and trolls hate Christians because the mythology got all mixed up like a few hundred years back. Sure. Um, So I thought that was fun. I considered whether I was going to have it like be a more fairy tale type thing. I actually wrote a few lines of that where it was just going to be talking about the king summoning more people to his shore for uh, tribute. Mm-hmm. And then I also thought about doing something from one of the occultist perspectives where like, we're seeing all the stuff that went into the oddities that were described in your pitch. Like, oh, sure. What happened to the tent in 1984? What happened to the other two cabins? You know, How close were they to getting into Phil's head and making him make some sort of sacrifice. So gotcha. that was something I considered. But ultimately, I was like, we've got this great conflict between Luke and Dom, and I'd rather focus around something a little bit more human. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Good, good, good. Um, what did, uh, what's the length that yours ended up being? Like, word count? It's like 1,100. 1,100, yeah. Pretty tight. Yeah. Very okay. nice. Uh, Andrew, same deal. How was writing your version um i enjoyed writing it i I wanted to do something that was very pure horror had a lot of night this sounded like nightmares were a big part of this 
uh, property. So I was attracted to that and wanted to tell my own little nightmare and make it scary and work with some pretty nightmarish imagery. Um, and yeah, so it, uh, it went pretty well. Um, it was challenging to kind of pace it out and I'd like to hear about how it worked for you all. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the, the rhythms of the beeps and the builds to certain actions, uh, were a challenge to pace out. Um, but something that I wanted to, you know, challenge myself with, um, I knew this one was going to be a lot down to performance. So I, uh, you know, tried to do my best to structure the, those builds in a way that I thought would work well for the way, you know, I have to read this. So, gotcha. um, one of those unique things where when you're writing, you typically don't think too much about it having to be read out loud, but of course we have to do that. So, yeah. Great. So I thought, I thought it was well done. Uh, but were these characters like American counterparts of the <laughs> characters that Eric told us about? Uh, I was just confused by that. Uh, I can see how you were confused. I can see. I can see. It's the American port. You know, it was so successful in the UK that they had to remake it here. With John Krasinski <laughs> and Steve Carell. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there you go. that too. Wow. Uh, and also giant trolls with uh, gems in their belly buttons and always be here ah oh, perfect guys guys you both did great i enjoyed the heck out of those um but um it, it, we're at the part of the show where i have to choose a winner right like one of one of you is uh gonna win this competition yeah. except yeah. that uh, that's one, how it works one of you isn't gonna win this competition oh no because as usual the per the people who did the ritual better than used to's are the original creators. That's Wait, right. The what? writer of the film, Joe Barton, based on the novel by Adam Neville. Those two guys, they did great. David Bruckner directed. Did a very, very good job. Sorry, I thought guys. you said one of us was going to win. I lied. You just said that. I lied. I revised. I went back. <sighs> changed this my statement. This is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> True horror. When you can't even trust the words of your friends. Oh boy. Man, that means that all this feedback you're about to give me, I can't trust a word of it. True. So I'm going to just assume the opposite. So just <laughs> all these positive things you say, uh, I'm going to be like, what a meanie. What a mean guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I will, uh, you know, it's up to the listeners uh, whether they want to take the things I say as truth or not at this point. I think, uh, I think it's safe to say that the feedback I give will be truthful, will be honest. All right. Yeah. Let's okay. take some honest, truthful feedback. Lay it on us. So, uh, I mean, first of all, um, the the title of the film, The Ritual, I, mm-hmm. uh, I gotta be honest, I was uh, expecting some more rituals from you guys, uh, mm. and I didn't get any rituals, so... Zero just, rituals. I, there's no obvious winner for me, so, so <laughs> if we had to choose between the two of you, who which you do. loses less, which we do... I'm going with Andrew Neal. Ooh. Andrew Neal is the least loser this week. Uh, Andrew, your version uh, was chilling. It was scary. It uh, had amazing imagery and super creative. Like you're describing what's going on with this, like this, this, uh, this illusion in the woods and the bodies and the heads popping and the bloody trees and all this stuff. It's just is I've never seen or heard of anything like that and that was um really really good and you described it extraordinarily well 
Thank you. And um, and and just like the chilling nature of of seeing that scene play out, that's what uh, that's what made me choose yours. Thank it you. Was really, cool. really unique. Well done. Well, well, well done, thanks. Dragon. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm glad it worked for you. Yeah, and and uh, Marcus, um, I enjoyed your story quite a bit, though. Um, I had uh, some issues with the tone. Um, I wasn't quite sure if you were going for horror or comedy, and I wasn't getting um, I was I was getting some conflicting, uh, conflicting things there. Like I wasn't quite sure what kind of story it wanted to be. Um, so I think you lost some points there. Sure. Um, for a for a tale like this, um, scary is definitely better. So, uh, but not, not to say that you wrote a bad story. It's just that kind of caught me up. That's fair. Yeah. Were you confused as to why I had hired a professional actor to read the story? No, I, I, uh, from across the pond. (laughs) Uh, no comment. Gotcha. (laughs) So guys, what do you think of each other's? I'm currently shocked that Marcus hired someone to... (laughs) to do that when it was you know mediocre at best (laughs) i way overpaid (laughs) and i spent so much time learning to lip sync to it (laughs) just for the sake of eric and i yeah yeah nobody else to fool us yep oh man yeah uh marcus my my favorite element you you've done this a few times this season and you've kind of proved yourself to be uh really really just just nailing it. Uh, these these you know these things that you bury early on that you then pay off later on, and the the museum story, which as the piece as a whole was proceeding, I was wondering why we spent much time on it. Uh, had you know other than the fact that it added you know character and humanity to the piece, it also had that payoff with the mythology element and having him use that in the end, which was very satisfying. Um, and I, I like that element a lot. Um, but I think uh, where... I don't know if I... I, I, I don't want to hit on the same notes that Eric gave, because I don't necessarily agree with them entirely. I thought the, it, the tone worked for me. I do think that the structure of it was a little odd. Um, again, starting with that long... Uh, or maybe not too long, but you know, you did devote a decent amount of it to that opening story. Um for us then to kind of fall into that argument between Dom and um, Luke. Luke, you have to resolve it really quickly. And that, you know, it doesn't make it quite as satisfying as I think something like that needs to be, despite how the dialogue was really uh, felt lived in. They felt like friends, you know, I, I, I bought it. I, I bought them as people, but you know, it just, it felt like it was a little tidy. Um, in that moment. So that's, that was where kind of my reservations came in for yours. Interesting. I, uh, you know, I really liked that part. I liked the, um, that scene between Luke and Dom. I liked the argument. I liked how pissed off Dom was at Luke. Um, and I liked that, you know, they were actually getting physical with it. Like it escalated into an actual fight. And then, you know, it, it was very, it was a very friend thing to turn into this fight and then resolved, you know, as they're sharing these memories, you know, they're all stressed out. They all know it. You know, they're in this terrible situation. No one's really to blame, but tensions are high. 
and you know that they end up you know laughing and like patting each other on the back i think that was that was great i really really enjoyed that cool thank you yeah it was a it was an interesting one uh i didn't have time to fan it out as much as i would have liked it was difficult for me to deal with the four characters and the fifth being the rob who is not there but is just as important Mm -hmm. uh so figuring out where to set that i think that there would have been different ways of doing it my problem mostly was i didn't want to just repeat what you had pitched um so i was Mm. trying to think of a thing beyond that yeah Um, but yeah i think uh fair points and definitely interesting your two different reactions because I, I do feel like uh, something that we see on this show um, is when you have exposure. So if you're the host, you're pitching the property, you know what the property is supposed to be or mm-hmm. what it was originally. Yeah. And if you see a take that is far afield of that, uh, it's hard to contextualize that within the span of the reading mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cases. So I'm I'm pleased that that worked more tonally for Andrew. Um, yeah, and, and I think you both did a really good job actually of adding things that aren't in the pitch and aren't in the movie that feel correct. You know, they they uh, the the additions, the museum bit that you added, Marcus, I think fits right in there. Um, I think the um, the specific horror of the forest, you know, it is very different. You know, in Andrew's um, from the movie. Um, but it is, you know, it, it's a solid addition. So I like that you guys were adding things and weren't afraid to explore outside the pitch, which is nice. Well, this property is so, it's just such a basic thing, you know, yeah. friends in a forest yep. and there's a monster. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I, even though I re-listened through the pitch and took some notes afterwards, I didn't reference it all that much. Sure. I didn't really look at it all that much. I actually... Uh, I forgot that Rob was killed in a liquor store. I thought it was just a convenience store. So, like, when ah. Marcus said liquor store, I was like, oh, that's right. Like, so <laughs> this was one of those cases where, like, I kind of just took Nightmare Forest sure. and and ran with it. No, that's good. I liked your version of, you know, going into that convenience store where, you know, it's like these colorful uh, mushrooms and stuff that look like Coke cans and and, and all that. That's really cool. And it took me a while Thank to you. figure out like what you were doing with the the colorful uh, growths and stuff, and I realized it's the forest trying to look like a convenience store. That's really cool. Like in yeah. the in the movie, it's more straightforward. Like you have a little like clearing, and there are actual like um, you know liquor store shelves and actual liquor bottles on display in the forest with like you know, vines and stuff growing over the shelves and kind of integrating into the forest. Um, but I oh, like your so version a lot. they do something like this. They, they do something like they that. They do, yeah. No, and I think it's, it's based somewhat on something. I can't remember exactly what I said in the pitch, um, but it is, you know, very mental. You're getting into these guys' heads and you're seeing what they're seeing. And it's like they're in the forest, but they're also in the past, you know, specifically Luke in the forest and then also in the liquor store. So I, mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, maybe there's something in there that you uh, pulled from. Maybe it just so happened that you invented like almost exactly the same situation. And I uh, either way, I applaud you for it. Thank you. So, Andrew, I really, really dug your description in this piece. It was so visual and so tactile at the same time. 
that I really felt like I could see and feel so much of what was going on. Uh, I just thought that was fantastic. And I, I, yeah, loved the transformation that Eric spoke about there, the things turning into the surroundings. And I was just picturing how that would like bubble up and film and very, very cool. So absolutely dug that. Um, I will say my own bias uh, as to thinking about the pitch and knowing that it was a liquor store. I at first thought that the beeping was like the uh, the receipt scanner or the item That's scanner. That's what I was imagining mm-hmm. too. Uh, but then I was like, liquor store? That's not going to happen much. So I kept waiting for like another explanation of that uh, to see what the, the beeping was all about. Okay, so you felt kind of unsatisfied by not knowing what that was. I did, and then you threw it out at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the the beeping is gone and it's the uh, roar. So I, I like at one point I was like, oh, is this an EKG? And your version does Rob make it out of there and they watch him die? Maybe all the friends together. So that that uh, was a cool technique because it was consistent throughout. But that was that was my bias coming in and trying mm-hmm. to contextualize it against different input data. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I'm I. I'm, it's really, it's cool to hear your thought process behind that because, you know, the consideration to leave it open was something that I had to, you know, that was a decision that I had to take some time to make. Um, so, yeah. Gotcha. So, so nothing wrong with it. For you, Andrew, do you think, do you know what that peeping is? Yeah, I think so. Uh, would you like to share? No. Okay. <laughs> and that was just driving me crazy. I need to know what it was. Um, so uh, another uh, note on yours, Andrew. The um, You had mentioned the pacing originally. Like you were curious yeah. to see, uh, hear from us how the pacing went. Um, there, I will say that um, I think that was the weakest part for me was that you have this repeating action um, where we spend a lot of time at first, when this when this illusion first appears, you know, you have Rob standing there, his head explodes, you give us all the wonderful description of, like, the, the, the webbing that basically erupts from his head and attaches to these trees, and then these things grow down and create more Robs and all the blood and all that stuff. You know, we take, it takes a long time to get through those details, and they're amazing details. But as soon as you get to the point where you're repeating action, I think the time it takes you and the number of words it takes you to describe that repeated action needs to be cut in half as an audience. Like as a reader, we know how this goes. When you tell us that the action is repeating, I think it's safe to summarize in a sentence or two and just get through it. Um, there was, I think maybe it was a combination of just the amount of time and also just that repeated beep motif where you just keep beep ah more stuff's happening beep more stuff's happening beep 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 um that it starts feeling i want to say a little tiring i get i get a little worn out and Mm -hmm. i just want to get through it um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so i think just just taking some of those bits and summarizing more and focusing less on details in the repeated action would help okay Marcus, so how did you feel? I'm going to counterpoint that. Uh, I thought it was great uh, in terms of, I mean, maybe the beeping, like I said, because that didn't do anything for me ultimately. Um, but that's that's a mixed mix bias 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and taking this as an extract from something that would be larger. Uh, I, that was like, I, I like the repeat because to me, the purpose of this story was to take you to that place and take you into Luke's head. And it was just the immediacy of all of that and the, like, you can't get away. And that was mm-hmm. part of what was so hard for Luke in this piece was that even though he knows exactly what's going to happen, it just keeps happening in excruciating detail. He can't look away. It keeps getting worse. So that I thought was fine. I didn't think there was much of an overall story here. I thought it was just like a really beautiful scene. Um, mm. Like there, there wasn't much of an ebb and flow to it. Um, it kind of has that nightmare logic where we're really only getting a feeling. We're getting one thing across, which is not a knock against this. I want to be clear. That's just the, uh, I think that, I feel like that was probably your focus. I would love to hear if that was your goal in this piece. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought less of it from story structure and more just as an experience. Um, Because that's how, you know, nightmares feel. You know, you don't know where they're going to go next. Things evolve and things are also very visual. Um, So... Those were the things I focused on, you know, just one thing leading to another. And I and I had a, you know, I knew where I wanted to go with it. I wasn't free writing it. I wasn't making it up, um, you know, from one point to the next. I had a, you know, idea with it, but I wasn't too concerned about, you know, you know, reveals or anything like that. It was just seeing something terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think you could have even strengthened this by not having him wake up. See, now, yeah, so the, the, my, I'll tell you my decision there, like, my decision there about having that little end bit was just, I, even though that whole, it was all a dream thing to, you know, you typically balk at that sort of thing, um, yeah, I think it's, that's, you know, the wrong, you know, not, not that's, that's, that's what you're saying, but, like, I think it's, generally, people can kind of balk at that, that, you know, idea of, you know, it was all a dream, that horrible thing was all a dream, but I just, I really like the idea of the fact that, like, he's having a nightmare, and then he's waking up into another nightmare, you know, like, he's waking up into, maybe it is reality in this film's world, but it's also a nightmare scenario. Yes, that's totally fair. And I think, uh, again, th- that works when you're taking this as an extracted piece from a larger whole. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that we do on champ fiction, right? Like, sometimes we'll tell a whole story, and sometimes we'll take, hey, this is what this section of my novel of this property would be. Um, and that's that's fair. Uh, just, just the thought from a short story perspective, having that coda was not the resolution of the bulk of the piece. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it was a, it was the ending to a different thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah, and that uh, that moment where he wakes up, where it's like he he you know he gets covered in this stuff, and then he wakes up. Um, I was really expecting, and maybe this is just from my bias from having seen the film. Um, I was expecting to get some sort of insight into what was causing that illusion what was causing that nightmare i kept thinking you know the 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 veil is going to be pulled back and we're going to see the monster that is causing this or the ritual that is happening around him that is causing it you know something um something that is doing it to him instead of just waking up and he's in you know a field with his with his mates um so there was some expectation there, but like I said, I don't know if that was a fault of the piece or my own bias coming into this. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I think it just comes from, you know, like Marcus said, you know, my idea with wrapping it up because I was thinking of it like this nightmare was just kind of a wake up thing. But again, it's a twist on the wake up because it's you know, yeah, a terrible situation. For sure. Um, and that's, you know, just how I saw it being ended versus having any sort of resolution to Luke's experience through this nightmare. Because mm-hmm. it isn't, you know, you're right. It's just he wakes up. Um, yeah. So yeah, and maybe maybe that. it's just a um maybe it's also a matter of um of degrees. So he uh, he he wakes up from a nightmare into another nightmare, but the other nightmare he's waking up into is far less severe than the nightmare he was just in. So mm, you yeah, know, maybe it works better if it's just um, upping the danger somehow, like something worse is going on. Otherwise, it's a relief for us, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, I would like to say, uh, Andrew, congratulations again. Hey, thanks. This is your last story of the season. <gasps> oh, gosh, Good it is. Point. I didn't even think about yeah. that. <laughs> and Ending on a high note. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk more and get sappy in our final episode next time. Uh, but I will say I've been extraordinarily impressed at your growth as a writer over the course of this season and the original show. And I'm really excited now. I hope that whatever we're doing next, you go out and write more short fiction. Things where you can really take some of the skills, some of the tools that you've added to your utility belt. Uh, not tool bag or toolkit, as the common expression goes. No, utility belt. That's cooler. It's like and Batman. Put them to use in, in a story where you really can own it. And you can juggle both this beautiful description that you've come to create in your most recent pieces and some of the more structural thinking and puzzle building that I know that you can do as well in your writing. And I'd I'd really love to see what you can do when you're unshackled from the Netflix original series model. Uh, And maybe you can land your own Netflix original series. Why not? So (laughs) yeah, that's that's the logical next step. Yeah, That's the hope. Just full circle. Oh Uh, man, Marcus, you've gone and just done this brilliant little summary thing to make me feel good and i have it's as if you prepared it but i know you didn't because this is just stuff that you do um but i i appreciate it nonetheless and i enjoyed your story and i'm enjoy- i look forward to hearing your last both of your last stories next week when uh when, when i host yeah um it's happening and i'm gonna just save my kind comments for then but i uh, <laughs> all right other than the fact say that i uh, i did enjoy your story and yeah no that that, that detail those these little payoffs that you've been you've been planting in your stories have been so good lately like your westworld one recently i you know comes to mind and those elements i just man you you just you nail in them and there's there's such they're so satisfying and great within these, you know, in big stories, but in smaller stories like this, the fact that you can do it in a way that just feels natural and works for the overall piece is, is really impressive. So thank you. Second. Congratulations, man. Thanks. This yeah. Is fun, you, both, it? you both did great. I loved both these stories. They were so much fun. Um, and uh, Marcus, I know we didn't get to dig into your story as much as we dug into Andrew's. I apologize for that, but uh, rest assured, a lot of really, really good stuff that I enjoyed, and I can't wait to listen to this episode again to hear the story again. Both of them. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, so, cheers, mates. Cheers. <gasps> so, uh, That's a British thing. boys and girls, 
It's that time again. It's the end of the show. We gotta say adieu. Au revoir. And I would just like to add yeah. uh, one, one more thing. One what more you thing. Want? What you want? Uh, you can't beat the dredge. Uh, the Marcus. pure energy in it. Marcus, it's my episode. My episode, yeah. mate. Bad form. I'm taking all the bad all the shots. Form. All the shots I got left. I ain't got one. You're I'm done. not hosting again. Last time, last episode, was your last chance to do that? Nah, I'm doing it again next not, week. Uh, In it. <laughs> uh, all right. Everybody from Sham Fiction, good night. Cheers. Bye. Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Whoa, gang. It's Andrew here. Next time is the season finale of Sham Fiction. We may have said that a minute ago, but it begs repeating. And boy, howdy, do we have a humdinger of a property to close us out. We once again are returning to netflix and we're keeping things spooky man it's suddenly become halloween in december all of a sudden here on sham fiction but it had to because i just had to pitch this new phenomenal show it's called the haunting of hill house yes very dramatic delivery there you may have heard of it it may have already scared you right out your shorts Right out of them. And now you're standing there pantsless, shivering, knocking your knees together in fright. Or, you know, maybe you're not a classic cartoon and it just made you jump a little when you watched it. I don't know how sensitive you are to scary things. But rest unassured, listeners. Things are going to get scary again next time. So buckle your belts one extra notch. And, you know, make certain those pants of yours stay on when you listen next time. For the last time this season. Okay, bye. This has been a Two Jackets production.